Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Zoomcast episode 63 coming at you. And we got a full squad today. We got we got Louie and we got uh, and we got Josh. Josh, thanks for joining us, man. Where you been? Where you been the last couple episodes? I don't know, man. I had no clue. I wasn't. I had no clue the last episode was happening. Wow. This was not communicated with me. There's some hostility going on here between uh, just you two and me. I guess you two are getting wow. up on me. That's what it seems okay. like. That's a pleasant start um, to the episode. I hope no, I, j- I just had uh, exams and stuff. I'm having a terrific day now that I'm back okay. on the podcast. That's good. Got uh, um, removed from the group chat and added back to it. So. <laughs> <laughs> we got an we, on we, and off again relationship. We don't need to go into detail. It's uh, <laughs> we're, we're we're working on it. We're doing counseling. Um, but either way, full full squad back at you for episode sixty three. Um, we had uh, we had Matt Bosty on last week to recap the mid season stuff, and now we are into we are into the the second half of this NHL season. Um, and there's a couple of things coming up on the on the calendar here. Trade deadline. Everybody's talking about trade deadline, and we'll get to that. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the Sens, um, because we like to do that here. And the Senators are are coming off a couple of, of very nice back-to-back baby goalie victories, is what I'm gonna I'm gonna dub them as. Uh Mad Sogard comes into Calgary and just or well, comes into Ottawa against Calgary. And and just plays well, plays well enough for them to win, and they they get this ridiculous, stupid comeback, which we'll we'll get into that. Um, and then Kevin Mandelizzi, with the debut of a lifetime, really for him, um, comes in, plays unreal, makes forty six saves. They win in a shootout on the island. But let's talk about this Calgary game because Sogard was good. He was all right. He was fine. Good enough to win. But let's be honest. That was the worst 57 minutes of hockey I've ever watched, maybe in my entire life. And I almost tried, like, I was like, when they scored, Louis, we were talking about this, right? When Batherson scored, we were like, okay. <laughs> like, no, th- that means nothing. No emotion from me whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you, I didn't even cross my mind that they were going to tie the game. Like, I was watching with my dad, and we were just on, you know, watching on the TV, and we're like, all right, make it more respectable. One goal game. But, like, when Debrinket scored, I was like, I was like, I was shocked. I would say I was like actually physically quite shocked by that. I was like, like oh my what God. is this feeling? <laughs> yeah, <What>? Jesus. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> and 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 first of all, nip, absolute nip by Alex Debrinket. Just an unreal shot. That's why you're not trading him, by the way. No one else is doing that. Um, Alex Debrinket with a nip to tie the game. And uh, condolences to Calgary Flames fans. That must have been the most depressing way to end that game maybe ever but I don't really feel that bad because it feels like the Sens deserve to break there. Uh, I haven't really gotten many of those this year. But anyway, Sogard comes in, does enough for them to win against the Calgary Flames, which they eke out uh, in that uh, in in that comeback win. But were you, did you guys watch that? Josh, did you watch that game? Like, did you watch the first two periods of that? That was freaking I watched terrible. the whole game, yeah. yeah. Here's the thing, like, if you're looking, if I just, I was curious, so I just took a look at Money Puck after the game. They had more expected goals at five on five, but they yeah. took a lot of penalties. The refing <laughs> yeah. was suspect both ways. I'm not saying the Sens got jobbed or anything. Yeah. There was a lot of like, here's a really weak makeup call. And then five minutes later, because the makeup call happened, well, now we can't call a really bad missed call. So it was like really annoying. I think the Sens were on the PK what, six times that game. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the shots at one point were like 24 to five. <laughs> yeah. But one thing I will <laughs> say is like that, fed into feeling like they were getting dominated but so did like this like calgary's like a cycle team and a puck retrieval team it feels like and they just like shoot from the point retrieve the puck in the corner get it to the point so it felt like they were all over the sends but they did a good job keeping a lot of the shots to the outside there were a couple tips obviously like that's how dube scored both goals but for the most part i mean yeah like the shots were dominant and so was probably the time of possession but i thought they did a good job of like making Sogard's job a bit easier and not giving him like 20 high danger chances like they were doing to Forsberg in the first half of the season. 
Yeah, that's a fair point. And it's like, it's true, right? Like when, when you say it that way, you say the Sens weren't really dominated, but the game itself was so Yeah, awful. they didn't have the puck very much, which made... And, but, like, and it's like the flow. was losing the puck. Like, there was so many, so many penalties yeah. and so many whistles. It's like there's no flow to the game at all. They never had like, momentum. Yeah. They, yeah, they never had any momentum. Um, miracle that they came back and won that, to be completely honest. And uh, Tim Stutzel, just feeling it these days. And he has a nice over... Yeah, so people were saying in that game, Oh, well, Tim Stutzel is having a tough game. He had four <laughs> points. He had four Three points, points in, in like that five game. minutes to end the game. Yeah. Yeah. All primary like, points, too. All four. Yeah. Come on. This guy's unreal. He um, has 24 points in 17 games since like in 2023. Wow. That's so a good like, if they, top five if, if the they want to have, I think he's tied for sixth. Yeah. Okay. Probably after last night, after, uh, probably after William Nylander played the Chicago Blackhawks, but the Sens play the Blackhawks tomorrow. So yeah, maybe he'll have a chance to move back up. But if the Sens want any chance at continuing, they're, they're six and one, their last seven. If they want any chance at continuing that and, you know, being in a playoff race come April, like still being in the hunt, even they like Stutzel's going to need to keep being like above a point per game and, you know, being our best player when it matters most down one goal, you know, with the net empty, like if he continues playing the way he has, I feel like they can at least push for being in the hunt in the last five games of the season type thing. Doesn't mean they'll make it, but you know, at least he'll make it entertaining, which is what he does every night. He does. And he has been really, really fun to watch. Um, And, and when you talk about what, you know, things that the Sens need to do to stay in the playoff race, it is not helping that no team has been less unlucky than the Sens this year, literally. There was a an article published um, by no Donald Decision at The Athletic. No? Yeah. What was that, Louis? Isn't it no team has been more unlucky? Yeah, not just this year, I, but... What did I say? <laughs> since yeah, you said less unlucky. Oh. No team oh. has been more <laughs> unlucky. Yeah. <laughs> no team has been more unlucky than the Sens. Uh, they are on pace according to Donald decision to smash the analytics record for goals scored below expected with. So they're on Ottawa's on pace to be 48.9 goals below expected. The next closest is the 2008, 2009 New York Rangers who had 41.3. That is like eight to nine more goals <laughs> less uh, below expected for the sense. So yes, all of your suspicions are right, everybody. The Sens are stupid, unlucky, and cursed, and it's ridiculous, and it's dumb. Uh, but even the the fact, you know what? When I saw that, I actually, like, I was like, oh, great. Like, the fact that they're still even, like, alive after that is great. Like, they're, they're like, A lot of that is that, good goaltending, too. Like, that yeah. has helped it, like, be both ways. Yeah, 100%. And it's like, you can think, like, imagine if they had Norris, who is their best yeah. shooter, right? Like, how much different would that look like? Um, but yeah, like Tim Stutzel is is willing this team to victory these days, it seems like. Like he has been all over the place. He's been really, really dynamic. And in that Islanders game, which was, you know, they're on the second half of a back-to-back after the wild one in Calgary, he scores. Of course he scores. He scores again, Stutzel. Um, that one was also a bit of a slog. I was I was talking to Maud about that one on uh, on Game Over after the game that night. Hopefully people tuned into that. But the uh, that game was a slog. Man, like, how about Mandalese, man? That was friggin' unreal. I was, I was feel really good about that for the kid, Louis. What did you think about Kevin in that for for the sense? I I will say it wasn't the the prettiest uh, nope. first game. Like, not in <laughs> nope. the sense that he wasn't making the save, in the sense point. that the way he was was just a little wild. Obviously, he wasn't getting any help defensively at all. Like, there were like seventeen scrambles every single shift. It was super dumb. He lost his stick like three times. Like. Trying yeah. to channel his inner Yaroslav Askarov of the World Juniors or something, yeah. Um, but no, it, the, he, he clearly he did well because I think that's the that's the in almost forty years that's the most saves in a debut win in the NHL. Yeah, it's a heck of a which stat. Crazy. Yeah, like good for him, and they have the whole family there too, which is great. Awesome. It, awesome it's not awesome. like it was in Ottawa or anywhere near. Like this was. Did you hear the story there? They they drove from. Montreal, I think Montreal, I want to say, to yeah, Long Island, right. watched the game, took the picture after. It's got to be like in the close to 1130 at this point. And then they drove back to Montreal and went to work the next day. How how long of a drive is that? I mean, well, you know, I'll, I'll bring up Google Maps here. What is this? We'll call yeah. it Montreal to 
to uh what's their thing called UPS Arena or something? UBS, I think. U UBS. Yeah. Is okay. it not a B in it? it it's well, UBS. Okay. What was the Good. attendance for that game, by the way? Does someone have that? Because it looks it looked like the emptiest game since COVID rules in Canada. That's six and a half hours. Oh my god. Is that did you get it? Six and a half yeah. hours? Yeah, six that's outrageous. That's wild. That's nuts. Oh, my mine's saying six hours and twelve minutes there, Louis. So let's slow your oh, roll. What road are you taking? I'm uh I'm I'm on the fastest. It's it's uh auto route. Oh, I don't even know what what's this guy. Oh, Quebec 132 to the uh A15 the ny 24 you see i'm going the i87 and a15 oh so that, clearly that's where we're we're differing on our paths to ubs arena for montreal here. And the people can't wait for us to dig into more like transport material NHL on this arena geography this is it's so <laughs> riveting one day we'll do an episode where we'll oh my we'll god that's the next out. trivia that's the next trivia oh one. don't give me any <laughs> ideas for that but but i oh, think no. for the next for for a future episode I think we should do one where it's like we plan out the craziest sends road trip ever. Like, how would you hit every arena in like a certain amount of time and like getting there from day to day and and seeing if it's even like theoretically possible to one to... big optimization problem. You you like my, those, don't you? My math brain is gonna go crazy. Yeah, yeah I know. Oh well, well, well. That'll be like a two-hour episode, I think, if we ever end up doing that. So maybe that'll wait. Um, oh my but... god, the editing in me now is gonna lose it even more. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Wait, maybe we won't do that just for your sake. But anyway, we'll we'll uh, steer back on track here. Uh, the Sens play the Islanders, and they win. They win in a shootout, and. Kevin Mandelizzi gets the goggles, of course. It was the handoff from Sogard. So that was baby goalie to baby goalie goggle handoff, which I don't think we will ever see again, to be honest. But so that was that was kind of a historic moment. Um, but uh so are, are, are so here's my my quarry here about these two games that have happened. I this you like the stats are there. They're seven and three in their last 10. They're six and one in their last seven. And they're like, what, seven points out of a playoff spot right now? I have the standings in front of me here. They are seven points out of a playoff spot. And I believe they have some games in hand on some people, but most, most, yeah. Uh, but the team they're trying to catch, oh no, they're not seven points out. They're less than that. They are, they're seven oh, they points are. out yeah, with three games in out. hand. Yeah, exactly. So there technically, if the we're recording this Thursday at four, if if the Caps were to lose today, technically they could, with those games in hand, pass the Capitals, but the Red Wings and the Sabres could do that as well. So yeah, they're not they the only the same team amount of who games. have that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So my question really here is, so at the beginning of the year, as a group, we kind of decided like a successful-ish season would be like being really close to the playoffs, right? Like four points out or whatever. But being in the position that they're in now, does that change for you or do you still, you know, do you expect them to make the playoffs at this point? Or do you, do you kind of just want them to, to stay in the race and be close? I, I think it's a little, a little outlandish to expect playoffs right now. I well, know sure. like we've talked about the reasons to have them regress in the best way. Like we've talked about the stupid finishing and stuff. The thing is you're again, now you're dealing with the Forsberg injury. So, and you're not going to get the, what we got from the baby goalies, like the last couple games, like, over. you don't know that. Again. Oh, I, I'm willing to put some money on it. That's for sure. Andrew um, Hammond would say otherwise. Yeah, exactly. You know, dude, if we got like a sog burglar or man burglar run, <laughs> I would lose. Man, man burglar? <laughs> the man burglar run? But yeah, uh, no Sanderson either is is going to hurt a lot. Like I, I what is our I mean, what is our top four looking like now? Half of it is if he's back. If he's back in two weeks, though. Yeah. Right. So we're the let's just say he's back uh, for the first of March. Let's just say their opponents in that time are the Blackhawks, the Blues, and then yeah, they play the Bruins and Hurricanes. Then they play the Habs and the Wings twice. Like you can still without Sanderson, if they can, you you want to say if they could get five wins, but that's that would be really tough. That would be beating all of the even or lesser opponents. But it's not like they're going through some gauntlet without their number one D. At least there's that. And then right into March, they play the Rangers, but then they play the Jackets and the Blackhawks again. So I think these next 10 games, and I know only eight of those are before the trade deadline, 
but the next 10 games would change my answer to your question, Adam, about what's the expectation. Like if they take advantage of this easy schedule and they manage to go again, this is very optimistic, but let's just say they, they did another seven and three. Well, then my expectation would be like, all right, be in the playoff race to the last two, like two, three games. But if they kind of play down to their opponent and the injuries catch up to them, then yeah, it's like, I would understand why they would sell a little bit and a 500 season will be fine. So yeah, I feel like it is just, they're in the, you can say that every week, like you could say it again, they're in the most crucial stretch, but this is probably the easiest part of their schedule of all, like the entire year coming up. So it's basically yeah. going to make or break, obviously. That's a fair point. And I'm just, just to have a note on that. I have the standings in front of me. You mentioned that they play the Blue Jackets. Now they already played the Blue Jackets this year. I think they won four nothing <laughs> at that game. Like it was yeah. four or five nothing. So here are the bottom three standings in the Eastern Conference right now. It's the Flyers who have 54 points. The Canadians have 50. And then the Blue Jackets have 36 points at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. That is outrageous. Johnny Gaudreau. They're going to pick third overall. I am. Yeah, they're going to pick third overall. Rest in peace, Johnny Gaudreau. I don't know what you were thinking, young man, but that was that was just a really strange place to want to spend the rest of your career, to be perfectly. It's also funny. And he's off Twitter now, too. Is he really? Weren't they, oh like, just out of the playoffs last year? Or were they, like, ninth in the East last year? Like, they were the... Because there was that big gap between eight and nine. Weren't they ninth? They were, I think, well, they were definitely higher up. I they think. were the best of the bad teams, basically. Something, uh, they were, huh. they were, and they, they signed a hundred yeah. point player and regress. That's basically, well, they also I mean, they also Eric signed Branson. good Branson. Yeah. yeah. That evens out their signings. The biggest problem is they don't have Orensky. He's like, or we goalie. need to be talked. Or a goalie. Yes. Or a goalie. Yeah. yeah. Orensky yeah. for sure, but they have the two worst goalies in the league, arguably. Yeah. Like, He's yes. never a good combo. <laughs> nope. Not, not usually. Not um, at all. And to, just to touch on Columbus, I that's a game I wanted to make sure I wanted to go to. Because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, first of all, that, but also it's Pride Night, and so it's on. I think it's beginning of March. It's March fourth. Uh, yeah, yeah. So so I'm going there, and it's got it's got like the I, I always sit in the three hundreds. You guys know this it's a Saturday. Well. I, yeah, I do know this. Yeah, but we like through the student discount or whatever through um uh, whatever send student army um. I'm sitting in the 200s and the I got randomly assigned like first row of like the 200s. Oh, go Jeez, on. I got to go buy some tickets too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is we're, so okay. Sends marketing PSA students. We're getting paid for this. We have to <laughs> let people know it's in that. No, no, no. Yeah. We, we've signed an official sponsorship agreement with the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> we are the official podcast of the Ottawa Senators. Don't copyright strike us, please. Um, But uh, anyway, the uh, Louis, you've added something to the planner here, which which we're, we're, we will talk about um, in these two games, we have started to see with Jake Sanderson out. Uh, obviously that shifted a lot of stuff on the blue line, which includes, you know, obviously we said, you know, Zaitsev's playing a lot and Hamannick's playing a lot, but another guy that is getting a lot of minutes and getting more opportunity is Eric Branstrom. And re- reluctantly. So I did admit on, on the game over post game show that I have been very, very impressed with, uh, Eric Branstrom's last couple of Clip games it. and he's he's really okay he's really come into his come into his own it seems um I know what you guys are going to say about this but I will ask it anyway uh how has it been watching Eric Branstrom these last couple of games and what have you liked from him it's been such a blast I yep. mean listen like because obviously throughout the year he's the whole thing is he's gotten so much more steady um but to see him actually get put in a role where he's I know it hasn't been the case through like the entire game because like, you know, the lines changed like in the middle uh, and all throughout, but he's been slated next to Zub at the start of games and on the second pairing, which I don't know it just seems to have given him more confidence. Obviously that's been embodied perfectly by the goal that he scored. He's no longer the worst finishing uh, player in the league now uh, over the Go last few years, which is also nice. two posts last game. Exactly. And then he got an assist, uh, two games ago i believe in the calgary game yeah so he's it's he had a post in the calgary game too so that's three posts in two games for Brandstrom. yeah so it, it's nice to see him actually make more moves and it's not just that it's just you could tell the way he's moving he's activating more to get to dangerous positions rather than kind of just staying back knowing he's not with a guy like all, with all respects to nick holden will not be able to cover him if there's a ton of speed going back the other way 
um, because he's lost a step or two, let's be honest. Uh, but yeah, um, it, it's nice to see him actually be able to take advantage of those chances. And hopefully it's going to come more and more if, if the posts are indicative of anything. Brandstrom definitely filling the void left by Sanderson very nicely. Um, obviously, would love to get Sanderson back. Who wouldn't? But uh, it seems like Brandstrom's really stepping up, which is really good to see. And in terms of, well, we'll, we'll do a segue here. When you talk about filling voids, uh, the trade deadline is coming up, and a lot of teams are going to be looking to add and fill some places that they don't think are adequate uh, as they look for a playoff push. And there are some names. There, there are some names out there. There have been some names out there for a while. And we are going to try to dissect what we would like or, well, not what we would like, but we what we think should happen with these trade bait players both. here. Maybe a bit of me, yeah, maybe a bit of both. And then we'll talk a bit about the Sens and what they should do. Um, but uh, let's go down the list that we got here. So San Jose sucks right now, but they've got a couple of good players. Uh, we are we gonna can we talk about Carlson? Are we gonna do that? He's not on the list, but I feel like we he's going to go to the Oilers. Yeah, or are. he's I think he's either going to Oilers or not getting traded. Honestly, I feel like that's really? what's. Can the Oilers do it, though? Yeah, they'd have to move out a piece. I heard, well, I, I heard. I'm saying I saw it on Twitter. I, I don't have a source or anything. Someone said on Twitter, they seems like the Oilers are scared of the ask because with retention, it's like three firsts. Hmm. So that would is you, a little would steep. Would you pay but he's three so firsts good. for Eric Carlson? The like thing, I wouldn't pay three firsts. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it would be half. Apparently, San Jose said... Something along the lines of the like max that they would go to is retaining like four million or something, which is a little bit less than half, not not just not okay. entirely. That makes just what, enough 7. to make 5? it work, basically. I think I saw something something along the lines of the most they would do is bring it down to six and a half or seven or something like that. Mm-hmm. So like four and a half, maybe five mil. Set eleven point five. Right? A deal for him, like obviously it would like, be, yeah. Right That's now, the thing, right? Especially. If if he it is an if, but if he stays healthy and you have him at that cap hit for that long, it's definitely worth three firsts, especially if you're planning on making runs and those are late well, firsts yeah, every like, time. Can you imagine Eric Carlson feeding passes to McDavid up the ice? Like, oh my god, it'd be so gross. That team would be unreal. And like, think about that power play now too, yeah. and reunite him and Cece. And yeah, yeah, Cody Cece full circle moment. Eric Carlson's coming back at you. That's awesome. I love that. You think that'll be a pair? Do you think they would even consider that? Different definition of awesome than I do because that would just uh, be scary for me. Oh, I think they I think he deserves it. First pair. (laughs) (laughs) It would be. It would probably be Nurse and Carlson. I think all all offense, no defense whatsoever. (laughs) Does Darnell (laughs) Nurse provide much offense? Is that what you're suggesting? You know what? (laughs) Relative (laughs) to a defensive value. Uh, Yeah, Carlson. Yeah, we'll see. So, is there any other team that you would think could could swing that, or that you would like to see try? The Ottawa Senators. Okay, next answer. That's an easy one. (laughs) Um, Uh, For for Carlson, we're still talking. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Like, I, again, I, LA, I I do see them trying to make moves stuff, but that's more for chicken, and they have enough right D. Um, yeah. I don't I don't think, I think I've I mean, heard anything aside from Edmondson, honestly. I don't think it would work. It would be smart, uh, like, needs-wise, but he would be really cool on the Devils. <laughs> hmm. Like, that would just yeah. be cool. But I don't think it would make sense for the Devils to do that. No, I don't think so. Well, you want to talk about moves that would make sense for the Devils? We could, like, go over to Tino now. Yeah, immediately. Yeah, yeah. Holy the shit, that would be incredible. Like, to see him play... I mean, Hughes is injured right now, um, which sucks for me and my fantasy teams. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, like, having a guy like Timo Meyer, who is just such an absolute threat, um, in the bottom half of the offensive zone next to Jack Hughes, who could just like beat him all day, every day. And the thing with, with the, uh, the devils is that they do lack a little bit of, I'm going to sound old man hockey now, but they do lack you know, the size along the wings, but like, actually they yeah. could they legitimately for the they playoffs, could, they could use some, some forechecking prowess to really, uh, instill more Jack Hughes puck possession time in the offensive zone. And then supplement that with with good off puck play from Timo Meyer, and that that would basically give you who does Hughes usually play with? Because um, I don't, or, or or even Nico Heischer actually. No matter what, you're playing with 
with one or two of Heisher, Brat, and Hughes, which would be yeah. insane because they they do have some solid like solid enough ish depth. The problem is, um, I think they'd have to give up Dawson Mercer in that kind of trade. But I feel like New Jersey but, would do everything they could to not. Yeah. Uh, do you think they trade? I Hunt? was saying. I don't think so, but could they? If they were to trade it? one high end prospect, now they wouldn't do it. But I feel like they should trade Simon Nemich. Because I, I just personally am not that big of a fan of his. And and not just, you know, whether you think he's good or not. I just think, it, I don't really think there's an argument. I think Luke Hughes is the better prospect. And not you already close. have think. Hamilton. You have um, Marino. You have Siegenthaler's decent. I know Severson's going to be gone. But it's not like, you know, they need two elite guys to come up. Like, they probably just need one more high-end prospect. They're playing Kevin Ball right now. Yeah, well... <laughs> I feel like that's just a position legends. of strength that you can uh, draw from to make that trade. As so, what is to your okay? Mercer. So, so, how about this? What is your mock proposal as the New Jersey Devils to to get Timo Meyer? They I, wouldn't do uh, it, but I would. It would start with Simon Nemec, and then it would be a smaller piece. Like a, I wouldn't give a first on top of him because I don't think trading. He went second, right? So, yep. I don't okay. think. So how about how about, Nemitz, how about Nemitz and a first, but you get like a like a number four or number five D in the back for to bolster your left side and not have to play Kevin Ball so much. So who does San Jose even have? Who would that that's be? Exactly, that's exactly what I'm looking up right they now. They still have I've, like oh, they got a bunch. They got a bunch of play. <laughs> they got a what bunch if they got Meyer and Kevin LeBanc in the same trade? Kevin LeBanc's a healthy scratch. I'm pretty sure tonight, and I don't yeah. think it's for trade related wow. reasons. Because he has like no points his last five games, one in his last ten, I think, is what mm. I was reading. So I feel like maybe his price isn't as high. I don't know why you'd healthy scratch a guy you're looking to trade because that doesn't you know look what? good for his value. I don't know what his injury situation is, but uh, Radim Simek is on. He could, if you want to talk about, like he would play the Kevin Ball role, except way better. Um, and he's only got one more year after this one at two point two million. Like he's he's a pretty strong checking defenseman. Um, so if you'd want yeah. to add that to your decor again for, for playoffs, I feel like that'd be a good piece to add in again. I don't know how much San Jose actually values him, um, mm-hmm. or what his injury situation is, but if you want to keep Nemitz and a first in there to try to pull a little more and get some back, then it could be. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like just the way that teams value first, I don't know if they'd give their, what they may view as their top prospect and uh first on top of that for a, Maybe if there's a contract extension guaranteed in it, they would. Like, if you know you're getting yeah, seven or true. eight years of him, yeah. But if you're going into it knowing what's his qualifying offer, 10 million, that's a little uh, scary. Right? Nine. I think I feel like it's 10. I feel like it's because Debrinkets is nine. I thought his was bigger, maybe. But like, you make it work for Timo Meyer because he's 26. Yes. Like, and having yeah. him next to Hughes and Bratton, whatever, for the next however many years you sign him for, hopefully some sort of long-term deal would be incredible for, like, the I say of those course, guys' developments, yeah. even though they're already, you know, like near superstars, like Hughes is already. But um, I don't know. I, I feel like that would be probably the best fit of anything for Meyer. Or I, I think, mm-hmm. I don't know who I've said this to already, but I just want the league to, to go crazy and I want to see a Meyer and Carlson deal together. No, in the same be, trade, that would be one nuclear. Place. Yes, nobody has the cap space to do that. Never say never. I don't know, Josh. man. The Coyotes seem to be pretty low. <laughs> well, make, the Coyotes are making a late push for the playoffs. <laughs> They're gonna get. Well, did you see their game yesterday, man? At that. Point? Oh yeah, let's do this now. Let's do this. <laughs> let's do this now. Okay, Zoopcast listeners, this is gonna be for you. If you've been with us since the OG days, uh, you may remember that Louie and I once had an episode that was so mind-numbingly boring that we actually talked about this random-ass goalie called Connor Ingram for, like, five and a half minutes. I don't remember the... Con- Do you remember the context of that, Louis? Or were we just talking about free agency That's the or whole something? point is, is there's no reason his name should have even come up. Nothing happened regarding Nothing happened. Yeah. We, I think we ended up talking about Soros for no reason, and he was the backup for Nashville yeah. at that point. Yeah, and then- it must have been. But anyway, <laughs> so we were like... Okay, here's this random dude, and we thought we would never hear of this guy ever again. And lo and behold, Connor Ingram, with now with the Arizona Coyotes, shuts out the Tampa Bay Lightning last night 
in a shootout, one nothing. Like 47 saves. He had 47 saves. And I think there was a post, like the NHL posted something that was like, it's the most saves in a in a first ever shutout ever. 47 saves. So Connor Ingram. That's is, against the lightning. Like that that's is against the very lightning. strong quality finishers. Yeah. And that that's playing behind the coyotes defense. Yes. Out, outrageous. Yeah. So shout out to our, our boy, the an OG Zoopcast meme player, Connor Ingram, who has finally made it with a, with a huge shutout for the Oats uh, against Tampa Bay. Maybe maybe we'll see him with the Sens one day with this goalie conundrum right now. Hey, eh, Louis, how funny would that be? Full circle. Oh my God, good lord, that would be wild. Also, fun little uh, analytics stat for for anyone who cares that much about about goalie analytics. But I I tr- I've started tracking uh, what I call stolen games. So it's when a goalie's uh, saved expected goals is higher than the win differential for his team. That is Connor Ingram's first stolen game Go in on. his last three years. Oh, so huge. good for him. When when you get a shout out from the Louis player cards, you know you made it big. So that's that's huge from Connor Ingram. Um, maybe he goes on a little run here, leads the Coyotes to the promised land. Who knows? Uh, but Will Ingram two point oh, yeah, yep. the the In- Ingram burglar. Yeah, I no, uh, I thought yeah. about it and I purposely didn't say it. Yeah, but... you're right. <laughs> you didn't tough. think before you took. No, spoke I didn't. There. I I usually don't. That was a really tough look. Okay, we're gonna steer this back. That's enough. That's enough, Connor Ingram. That's enough, Connor Ingram for for a second episode of Connor Ingram. Um, but so we've we've gone over Carlson, we've gone over Meyer. So San Jose is gonna be busy. You would think trying to field calls about them. Uh, we'll move on. This guy has been in the rumors for seemingly forever. <laughs> essentially, we'll stick with the Coyotes. I guess that's a good segue too. Jacob Chikrin has still not been traded. He has been held out of games for trade related reasons, according to Coyotes. PR on Twitter and it seems like this is going to happen like uh, seems inevitable you'd think but you know there was he was linked to LA for Brant Clark and then that didn't happen and Brant Clark's that not getting been traded crazy now. oh my god <laughs> uh so what do you guys think about this chicken thing first of all do you think Ottawa should still be in on Jacob Chikrin at this point yes. in their season yes yeah I uh, yeah, okay. like I just, not just for this year here's but the, the future thing too yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, he's going to go by the deadline, though. That's the, if you want to call it yeah. an issue. Like, they would have to be on him for right now. But I know what you mean. Like, they're not going for it to go for it this year. They would go for it for, he has two more years after this one. At a mm. really good cap hit, 4.6 million is really good for his value. The other guy that we have next on the list, I think would be better. Like, I think he is better. Mackenzie Weger, he's the next guy on the list. And it was yeah. like a very, it's a David Pagnota rumor, so... So take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, he's exactly. the only one who's reported it, right? Like it's exactly. Yeah. Actually, Friedman actually spoke about it and basically said, "I don't see it happening right now, but the Flames may have to reevaluate their identity or something along those lines." Well, after um, that, so game he kind of made Sens. it seem like yeah, Sens. yeah. His basically his no trade clause kicks in on July first. So if they do want to move him, either he has to agree to it after then, or it has to be before then. I guess if they really if something about it it doesn't that they don't like that they want to move him it would be like at the end of june right before they're allowed to or right before he's allowed to say no but could be a draft yeah chicken i don't know if either of them yeah i don't know if either of them are super realistic but i think it's a question of okay do you want the guy who's probably better but he's a bit older and costs a bit more or do you want the guy who's going to help you be cap compliant but he's not signed for as long but at least he's younger. And then the other downside is he's a bit injury prone. So yeah. I guess it may come down to asking price. It may come down to their how much they would want to be here. I guess, but I'd be stoked with either one. I we'll mean, put, uh, I, I would not. Yeah, from a sense perspective, yeah. yeah, we'll uh we'll put Uyghur on the back burner for a second here, because so let's let's just assume that uh. The Sens are not going to trade for Chicken. Let's just assume that as a hypothetical that he's not going to go to the Sens. What team should be all in on Chikrin and what should the price what's a fair price do you think from that team well LA is a good one I know they were close yeah. or it made it sound like it was close um has um has Buffalo been rumored on it I don't think much no necessarily I don't know I mean I think Buffalo is a very similar team to Ottawa 
Like the only difference is I think their advanced numbers are a little worse and their finishing is one of the best in the league, or maybe it's come back down, but it's much better than Ottawa's, which is not hard to do. Um, but they're similar team. Like I think they're three points apart in the standings, same amount of games. I think I'm just checking out the Sabres have one more win, right? They, the difference is of course the Sabres are winning more by scoring more and they also give up more. Whereas the Sens, as everyone completely expected, are um, a little bit lower in, in goals against, which is, you know, just the Sens brand, high high end defense. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, I'm looking right now, they're, they have the least amount of goals against among all the non-playoff teams in the Atlantic, which is not a very hard group. But, like, the Panthers have been up 30 more goals in Ottawa, which is kind of shocking. But, yeah, oh. sorry, to get back to it, I'm kind of straying. Um, the, yeah, Sabres are in the same boat as Ottawa, where it would make sense to do it. But it's not like a playoff contender who may be willing to give up more because they they need that piece to take the next step. And almost as opposed to making that step to try and make the playoffs, they're using it to try and get to the second or third round or the finals, of course. All right, Louis, what about you? What are your thoughts on on this chicken discourse? Where do you where do you think he's going to end up? Like the thing is, I do believe LA is easily the best fit. I'm just trying to think of the pieces that would be going back because clearly they've made it known that like they've told Brant Clark he's not going everywhere or anywhere. Um, I do know that in the summer, apparently the Coyotes really wanted uh, Velarde back mm. as part of this deal. And good for LA that they didn't do that. I, I do love Velarde. Um, it's nice to be able to see him do well now after all those back injuries, which are that's just awful to have to go through. Yeah. Um, I've seen some people say, oh, maybe it's going to be Byfield, but I don't think mm. LA that would be crazy. Byfield. Eh? That would be, that would be like giving up on a prospect way too early. Yeah. Like I, well, I know you're trading him for like a top pair defenseman, so you can't really say given up, but given the potential there, I don't think you trade him. Um, that, so that kind of leaves, I'm looking at past first round picks. Kupari is already 22 and I don't, like, would he be part of a deal? Probably. Um, do they trade Jordan Spence? Um, I feel like that's a guy that could be on the move. Um, I'm a big. I'd want of them if I was Arizona. Yeah, exactly. That's saying you are. Or you're not a big fan of his. Oh, you are. I am. I am. Okay. I I do like Jordan Spence a lot. And again, that that pipeline's kind of blocked by other right D. Like they obviously he's 33 so he's not going to be here forever but his contract said otherwise um because drew doughty is still making 11 million until 2027 um <laughs> and then they have matt roy sean walker uh Durzy can play both sides who they have uh mikey anderson who they just resigned who i like a lot but again he's a left gave him eight years eh i think he's really good i think we don't talk about him enough like he's a really strong defensive defenseman if he could you know start using his passing a little more all throughout the ice that'd be nice but I think it's going to look like a decent contract. Um, oh, they they have Alex Edler. Is he actually playing right now? No way. Yeah. That's I'm pretty sure he's on the third pair. What? Good for him. You know what? Wow. Sure. I thought, I thought they LTIR'd him or something. No, but you know who uh, they do have in their dead cap is Dion Phaneuf. So, oh, legend. Yes, I saw that. Alex Edler has played 47 games. We're only a couple of weeks past uh, the anniversary of that trade, eh? The... Uh... The FNUF trade to, last to week, Ottawa. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out um, Dion. But yeah, I don't like, I think Spence could be going. I think Turcotte could. Again, they could be trying to offload guys that they just don't believe in anymore because they haven't gotten anything. And the Coyotes could just bet on a bunch of them and hopefully have one of them kind of reach whatever with Kupari, Turcotte, um, maybe Samuel Fajemo that they have, who I kind of forgot existed. They have Leah Sanders. They have so many players in their organization, the uh, the Kings. <laughs> Kim Newsyinen, holy shit. That's a lot. Anyway, the point is, um, I, I, do th- I, I do think um, if the Kings wanted to go all in and offload even more of those prospects, they could try and also get Vechmelka because I know they've been looking into possibly moving some goalies around there and try to bring in someone because um, they buried Cal Peterson. And right now they're writing Jonathan Quick on the last year of his deal and Phoenix Copley, who's been fine. But he's ideally, been good you're for them, hasn't he? They re-signed him. He's, he's been good enough. Like, that's the thing yeah. is, if you're going to make a run in the playoffs, you don't want Phoenix to rely on Phoenix Copley, ideally. And so having a guy like Vetch Melka added in on top of Chikrin, because they that is the one team that has the assets to do that. 
and I, I believe cap space too, right? Like they are at, uh, they might have to like offload the Jonathan Quick deal too in it. They, they're going to have to trade a lot is my point, but they're the te- the one team that I could see making it work and it would be cool. Like that would be, I I think the biggest possible deal we could see this year at the trade deadline is a Vegemelka Chikrin return. We will, uh, yeah, Vegemelka, you would think like, how would he do on a real team? Vegemelka, right? Like with with people in front of him, if people are willing to to take that risk. Uh, but we if will less see. games, right? If it's more split. Yeah, yeah. true. Well, like I mean, he, he, he's yeah. he's competing with his job for Connor Ingram now. He's in the bottom ten percent in the league in terms of percent of his games where he's rested. So, <laughs> and yeah, he is his work, and obviously he's playing behind a Coyotes defense. So the workload is insane right now. Yeah, and the yeah. fact that he's so still being above average is. What do you mean? It's just, it's an honor to play behind Josh Brown. Oh my God! He, yeah, you know what? Ingram actually has a a nine oh seven to Vision mm. Milk's nine oh six. So maybe wow, outplayed, there. better gamer. I, I will say, goal saved above replacement per game is not even close. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> okay, exactly. we don't do advanced stats here. Never, never once. Um, <laughs> Wait a so second. Chikrin, it seems like it seems like Chikrin to L.A is the consensus favorite here at this podcast and for good reason. Um, we'll see if this ends up materializing because they've definitely been talking for a while um, and they've definitely been close according to some insiders and rumorists. So we will, uh, we'll keep tabs on that. Uh, and as for some other, before, before we, we get into some strictly sentence stuff, some other guys that have been tossed around, uh, we talked about Edmonton a little bit earlier with Carlson, but it's been rumored like, so, I mean, Jesse Pugliarvi, it's been rumored forever that he's going to get traded like for years and years now there was talk that he was did you guys hear this that he was going to go on waivers i think it still will possibly happen before then. that seems crazy doesn't it like a team tomorrow maybe claim him i don't get it man like i know he's like his finishing ability has been garbage but he has been so good defensively like it like i and it's not like he's I i just don't understand and he's providing still like a and he's one of the best, I think, support players, like in terms of like you want like a, a guy to plug in on your top six to just kind of not make noise, but be able to be there for your teammates and supplement them and keep up. Um, and yeah, in terms of nondescript guys like him, like Arturi Lekin and guys like that are super valuable. Uh, and the fact that he might go on waivers is just crazy to me because it's, you have to it's think not the like to put a claim in there, right? I, I'd hope so, man. But <laughs> I know like they're not first in the order, but. Yeah, need hope. But I wouldn't hey, be surprised. Think... Okay, so let's <laughs> let's, be let's like say that ninth let's say order. that Puliarvi gets traded before he goes on waivers. What is the return that you They'd would expect? Have to dump him. Honestly, I think really. What's his What's his contract, Puliarvi? Three million for the rest of the year, I think. Yeah, and you it's have only one year. I know. It, yes, I just I don't it's weird get it. You, like against the Sens, it wasn't even bad. But he's good. Like he's I would 100 do that, yeah. especially because he's done at the end of the year and he's an RFA, right? It's not like you just lose him. So his value, like, I would give must a third be, for him. His his value must be low, like the lowest of all time right now. Jesse yeah. Bulliarvi. Like I, why wouldn't you snag him for yeah, like even a third? A the Sens have even. such a black hole on the third line on the left wing. He's perfect for that spot. Mm-hmm. And again, Literally. even if they don't make the playoffs, you you can still sign him for next year, probably for less than three million. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's such it's a no-brainer. Really... There must. I feel like there's something else going on. Yeah, I agree. I'm not. I'm it not so weird. Uh, trying to start a rumor, obviously, but it's just weird yeah. that I'm not here saying he's got some dark history. But why don't GMs like him? Well, it is so. Do we know that it's other GMs? Because a so far right now, this is just Ken Holland. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, but also... apparently they would have to get rid of. Uh, there would be a like, right? That that could. They would well, have but to... my point is, it could just be taking advantage of of Ken Holland really undervaluing him and being like shit we can get pull your and a second you know like and do you to... think someone would have pulled the trigger on that by now no yes yeah, yeah. i i do think so so, so strange maybe everybody's just kind of like banded together and being like the kid's going on waivers like let's let him go on waivers they've had <laughs> enough of all the pictures of him with his tongue out on the ice <laughs> yeah. like he's so funny to watch he is so like, funny he, he, he like, would fit uh, in so good with the sands i'd know it everybody I, did would you love him. see the video of him like on the like on his like workout bike with his dog dancing to oh, Shakira. Yeah. like oh in my the god off season that's so funny 
Pooley sends do it. Yeah. The, the, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with Pooley RV. I still think this is really strange. And I know, like, I just feel like whatever this ends up being, everybody's going to be like, well, what the hell was this? <laughs> like, what is this trade or what is this waiver claim? Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens with Pooley RV. That saga looks to be coming to an end soon. And then the, the other guy that I've got on here is Vladislav Gavrikov, who plays for the Blue Jackets. So automatically that should be kind of a red flag, but like, why do like I don't really get I don't really know anything about this guy. I, I'll be honest. I just know every all the insiders are talking about this guy, Gavrikov, and he's so valuable. Is he like actually good or does he Not like really. I don't really get it? I nowhere near first, third, and fourth value. Yeah, which is that was rumored insane. Eh? That's the rumor. Oh, like nuts. you're telling me Travis Hamanick wouldn't be able to fetch us a second if Gavrikov if that goes. Yeah, that. you'd think, but like there's totally a GM that would do it. Like if they've proven it time and time again that there there would be a, a guy stupid oh, yeah. to pull the trigger there um so like do you think gavrikov is gonna go for an unprotected first like, so who's it's... who wants gavrikov what's the team that's gonna get gavrikov for oh, too much detroit oh love that <laughs> that would be really funny <laughs> yes oh, the uh eyes are playing going yeah going really well uh for a honestly, push to the playoffs what who are the who would be the prototypical like gms that would be like yes i think the bruins like, would get him really yeah, I think it makes sense. Here's the thing. Gavrikov's not that good, but I'm pretty sure he has really good uh, entry denial numbers. I can pull that up if you want. Yes, yeah, actually, you it up, but... top okay, quarter yeah. in the league. The, the, my bit, my prop, like he, listen, he has strong, like usually off the rush, he has very strong defensive instincts and he will retrieve the puck a lot for you in the defensive zone and not turn it over. The problem is when it is against him, like in zone cycle, um, he's not the best in terms of suppressing actual chances. I know you're. He's he's playing some really horrible deployment. He's playing on Columbus, and he's playing like, on the jet. Yeah, exactly. He's mm-hmm. playing every shift in the defensive zone with some really horrible teammates. Um, but the thing is, even adjusting for that, it's not to the point where you I give agree. up like a king's ransom. Uh, he, but I he can would see why the Bruins would be interested. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. The Bruins high. The highest the Bruins can pick is twenty seven, right? Assuming they finish first, assuming they win the presidents. So a first yeah. from Boston is essentially assuming they do not win, they do not make it to the conference finals. They're still picking twenty seventh. Is he a left shot? Um, because... Probably not. If, if he's going for a first, <laughs> that's my guess. No, he is a lefty. Okay, because wow, hear me out. I actually now that you bring it up, and I've looked into their pairings because they have Grizzly McAvoy on the top pair, which is crazy, and then Lindholm Carlo, which. Again, insane. Right now, they're playing Forbert and Clifton on the third pair. Having Gavrikov Clifton there as your third pair D behind, like a mm-hmm. very, str- like in within a very strong decor, I could see work a lot. Like that's something that actually could pique my interest. Again, would I do that for a first, a third, and a fourth? No. Yeah, that that asking price just um, seems insane. But like for a second, if you're picking that low as the Bruins, and you're really confident that you can make him a very effective player yeah. in your system then yeah i because they don't have it's any also other the cap hit right really. if people see him as yeah. a number four 2.8 million is really good maybe the first third and the fourth is the asking price with retention who knows like mm-hmm. if you're getting yeah. a guy that you internally view as a number four because you're banking on that upside from leaving columbus and going to a system like boston like think of what they did to hampus lindholm right like he was terrible he's insane this year oh my and now God. yeah exactly and i'm not saying gavrikov is as good because he isn't but if moving him to a system that benefits his strengths and masks some of those weaknesses like for example cycle defense on a team that a is not in the defensive zone nearly as much and b has really good defensive centers like maybe he'd be a really good number four for them and if he, they get him at one and a half million maybe pick number 27 isn't the end of the world because you can also make another move at the deadline yeah, and I've again I've I've looked it up here and Boston's one of their strengths is again, yeah, defense off the cycle and defending passing plays. Uh and one of their lower yeah. things is again rush chances. So he, he would yeah. be a pretty good fit, actually. I, I think that deal would be nice. I've said this somewhat jokingly, but I've been like if the Bruins uh, if yeah, if the Bruins make the playoffs, I felt as though like the caps would get smoked by them. But I feel like a sleeper team like the Sabres or even the Sens would give them more trouble because they could score a bit more. And off that's the rush. 
that's why the Sens have been able to to take it to the Bruins this year. Exactly. It was like a couple of years ago when the ha I think it was when the Habs were the their uh, cup final year, their fraudulent cup final year. The Sens just absolutely <laughs> destroyed it felt the Habs every time and everyone was talking about how it was basically just the biggest mismatch where the Sens rush defense used to be really good even under DJ and their rush offense is really good and they would face teams who uh, care like needed to score off the rush to be good and couldn't stop it and that's how that's those are the only games they would ever really win right so yeah. th- that that's one of the big right if they get Gavrikov that really helps them let's just say theoretically I don't think the Bruin the the Bruins are you know making an effort hey let's get a guy to stop the big bad Ottawa Senators in the playoffs but let's just say they got Gavrikov that gives them that extra help to beat a team if they face off against a rush heavy team. I think the Panthers yeah. are a good rush team, no? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. With all the so, talent they have. Exactly, yeah. So, right, like, you're either playing probably the Capitals, who, you know, are, are still a good team, or you're playing one of probably, I don't know if the Islanders will make it, you're probably playing, I think the Panthers will make it, but Panthers, Sabres, and, you know, 15% chance the Sens or Sabres, those are three rush-heavy teams that you want to have a guy who can – defend that and you can put him up against top line he's doing it in columbus just with no other supporting cast at least he'd have one in boston he's also um got some of the highest like penalty kill minutes in the league and sends very strong power play team sabers also right and exactly yeah and you think the panthers one will wake up eventually (laughs) i don't think it's been that good this year has it i'm checking their stats their power play is 15th but you think with all the talent and you know, with Duclair coming back, I don't know what how they utilize him there. I know they'll have to probably get rid of someone else, but I don't know. I mean, I could see how they would fit if they're looking at, hey, who are we matching up with in the first round? And Gavrikov is a insurance piece in case it's not Washington. And it is, again, probably Florida or one of the younger teams that play off the rush. Like, it would really help them. And And I think you have to think about, in terms of the Bruins, that this is also probably the last year of Bergeron and Krejci. So if there's a time well, to go for it. we thought that before too, but yeah. I don't know about I agree Bergeron, with you, but likely Krejci, yeah. And Krejci has almost a point per game. You don't think Bergeron yeah. has 42 points in a career after games? this? Like if, if they, they win, win the, cup, the cup, yes. Maybe. Yeah. The thing is, I think Bergeron, be good he, rumored, he was rumored even last year to retire after after last season. Yeah. When but he like signed he, on for one more. Part of it is possibly just me like being optimistic that one of the still best two-way forwards in the league won't just call it a career when he's still this effective. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's the thing is if you're looking at it from the Bruins' point of view, it's also what other weaknesses are you going to cover up? Yeah, you do, you don't have much else. Like right now at this mm. point, you're basically just waiting for Jake DeBrusque to be healthy again, and you're you're just going to keep on rolling. Like I don't okay. see any other any other big things you're talking about for this season or for the future for this season okay yeah yeah no i mean exactly like this is i right i don't think it's a hot take to say the bruins especially with the posternak stuff like whether he leaves or not they're not going to be 120 or whatever they're on pace to be point teaming again next year like you may as well trade a very late first which has let's just say a one in three chance of becoming a good nhl player to boost your chances at the cup even by one percent like it's kind of like the lightning philosophy with hegel right like i know i know they gave up a lot for it is a bit of a rental but yeah yeah. they're reaping the rewards right now like crazy obviously Mm -hmm. because he came back but also because hey it's gonna be well hegel was signed might as well go for it wasn't he yeah 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 that's why that's that's why he cost that much because he already had two years left at a good cap hit mm -hmm. it's the same kind of thing where it's like all right Mm -hmm. we literally we don't have many other holes to fix our pick is going to be low anyway. We might as well just, what else are we going to do kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Like, even if it's a minimal increase, you're really plugging up all the other possible holes that you can Would have. the Bruins have room for Timo Meyer? Could they make that work? Oh, I God. I think so. That would be interesting. I don't think so. If they, if they think Pasternak's leaving, would it be smart to trade for Meyer and then re-sign Meyer instead? I mean, Meyer is just, I think he, he would fit that team really well too, the way he plays. Yeah. I don't know. That would be real. That would be crazy. They would never lose it again if they had Meyer. But yeah, yeah. so let's hope that <laughs> they would win happen. sixty games this year. Okay. If they we, don't we, already, we just 
we just talked about Vladislav Gavrikov for like 15 minutes. So I think we're going to, I think it was a very good discussion. It was, it was hundred percent a good discussion. It was a hundred percent a good discussion, but we still have to talk about our Ottawa senators here and what they're going to do. Right. Come, come the trade deadline. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Pierre Dorian had a press conference today and said he wasn't sure if they were going to be buyers or sellers and he's going to take like the next 10 games to figure it out or whatever, but take that as you will. Yeah. Um, Let's, let's say that the Sens decide to ship some guys out seems like the three people that have been mentioned the most are Tyler Mott, Cam Talbot, and Travis Hamanick. Uh Now, Dorian one did of those come is out. not moving. Yeah, yeah Dorian sorry, did come out today and say that Hamanick is not going to get traded, which, cringe, but anyway. What if we'll... he's trying to get his trade value up? Other teams are like, shit, we got to offer a second instead of a third <laughs> for half you, you of see, I, I did think about that, but there's no way that's the case. Yeah. Like, I, I, I just don't is, understand but... the the whole mentor thing. I, I don't know. I'm sure, like, I'm not saying he's not a, a good dude. No. I just, he's actively tanking Jake Sanderson's metrics. Yeah, right? they're still like, holding like, on to the hope of a Bedard. Pick. I don't know. And he's like, Hamannick is my only path to victory. Yeah, yeah maybe it's like if we losing. keep him, yeah, if we keep him and we're out of the race, then we play him 35 minutes a night. And it's perfect. We don't have to <laughs> run Shabbat more into the ground. We put Hamannick more into the ground. I don't so, know. Let's say that Hamannick is off the table. Maybe we'll talk about him later. But so Tyler Mott uh, is being rumored. And I know the rain, like some people are saying the Rangers like him and they might snag him. Like, do, do you think Mott goes for anything more than like a fourth? Uh, I tweeted this. I think it would be really cool if they tried to swap Mott and maybe a late pick for uh, Vitaly Kravtsov, who's on the trade block. I remember. Is, is Kravtsov's value really that low? Like, I know there's been all yes, this. I saw someone say, forever, haven't they? I saw someone say he may recuperate a third round pick. Wow. So if you're doing Mott and a fourth, that's probably worth a third to the rate. Like, right? Like, if Mott would have cost a third or a fourth to acquire, well, you're talking a third plus a fourth for Kravtsov. Who knows? Maybe someone at the deadline will be like, we could really use him because Kravtsov's defensive numbers are really good this year. They're solid. So even if he's not scoring, you like, he's another player. We talked about Puyarvi, but you put him just to the left of Pinto and uh, I guess right now it's Batherson. It's probably not like it's an upgrade over whoever you're playing there, whether it's Derek Broussard or uh, if you want to put Dylan Gamber, I don't know, whoever you want no. to put there. It's probably an upgrade. It, it is. And another thing is like one of the biggest tells in terms of uh, I'll di- dive into micro stats again, but um, for young players that are starting to figure it out, but haven't quite put it all together is how often they're driving uh, carrying zone entries. And yeah, that was just the last last year. Yep, that was Jack Hughes in his rookie and second season. Um, and players kind of figure out the off the rush part, maybe not generating off of it, but at least getting uh like moving forward and with possession in that um relative to cycle. And Kraftsov is still like 80th percentile amongst forwards. So you you can still see that you still see the pedigree that he had when he was drafted. Again, as you said in your tweet, worst case. Like his defensive numbers regress to a to a point, but they're still very strong, such that it'll be a strength, especially over whatever other alternatives the Sens have. And if not, it, it could be better. That's the thing. Yeah, I think the one of the Sens' biggest issues is you know everyone's like, oh yeah, like they've had injuries, it's really hurt them. Like obviously, have, not having Josh Norris isn't good, but find a contender that has as little depth as Ottawa has. Right? They have one option to move into the top six when there are injuries and it's Matthew Joseph and he's proved he can do it on the wing with the two best players. Other than that, like Pinto moved up. He didn't look ready for second line center. Greg is playing there right now. He had a good first couple games, but I think you want a guy who can come up and, and play both, you know, you know, you can probably get him in in both roles if necessary. Right. And then obviously you need more depth, like 13th, 14th, 15th forwards. Look at it. Like, we don't want to give them too much positive talk, but like the Leafs this year, right? They've had injuries, but they have guys coming in who they're not doing what Austin Watson is doing on the fourth line. Like they're actually giving them solid minutes. Yeah, like Pierre Engvall, right, guys? No, more Pierre Engvall. <laughs> well, no, but oh we're talking God. about depth here, not first lines, first line centers. <laughs> um, but like they have, right? They have that depth that allows them to move a third liner up to the second line and a scratch up to the fourth or third line. The Sens don't really have that, and that's hurting 
their scoring, especially, and especially their, it's part of the reason their um, goals scored above expected are so poor. Yeah. To bring in yeah. guys who can't finish, right? Like at the end of the day. But yeah, Vermont, I would see if, if he wants to sign right now. Like if they're like one times one and he says yes, keep him. If not, trade him, I would say. Because he's probably yeah. a fourth liner. But same, it's just like, I don't know. fourth line role. I'm, I'm not really high on him at all. Like, I don't really know what he does. But on the fourth line, though, Adam, you'd keep him, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. You have a guy in the fourth line who can draw penalties. He's before yeah. his injury. I'm pretty sure he was top 10 in the league in penalties drawn for a little while. He's still like, up in there. the first like 30 games. Of the year. Yeah. And he's still there. And like he's he's up there with a couple of Sens guys who draw a lot in Stutzla and Kachuk. I mean, mm. that that's the that's the Colorado Avalanche model, right? elite team at 5v5 to begin with but you get depth pieces who draw way more than they take and then you let the top guys get out there on the power play more right the sense of the second best power play and mott is a reason they're getting on it so much there's value in that at least so i I wouldn't mind keeping him but if he doesn't want to sign you may as well get value so vermont we're thinking rangers maybe crafts off maybe a pick or two um We'll see how that goes with tyler mott we'll uh we'll do one more here and then we'll call it an episode uh cam talbot uh is uh is injured right now but he's gonna be you know teams looking for a goalie an experienced goalie who's had playoff experience and who's you know he can do his job back there they'll be looking at cam talbot uh so should the Sens even consider trading cam talbot with their goalie situation right now like you know you got forsberg out for the year and if you trade talbot you're essentially unless you somehow acquire another goalie you're running with sogard and (laughs) Mandelizi for the rest of the year uh so first my first question is should they even trade him and if they do uh what should the return for cam talbot look like i don't think they'll trade him especially given the injury thing with forsberg at, at this point if anything they just like he just gets walked to free agency um uh, again unless it's a very good deal but i don't think I, I i can speak more about us getting rid of cam talbot because over the last month i've angered our I, I've done enough yeah. <laughs> Cam Talbot talk <laughs> at Pro Forsberg that I feel like I'm really starting to anger our uh, the stands, our, our Talbot stands. So yeah. I, I don't know, Josh. Think, what do you think? I think it's going <laughs> to depend on what else. they do. Yeah. Like in the next seven games, like Dorian said, if they go five and two in their next seven, you keep him because I would run Sogard. And honestly, like I still have my doubts with both goalies who like both. Uh, we're calling them baby goalies, Adam called them. I guess people on Twitter call them too. It's the rebound control that was scaring me for both of them. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, maybe, you know, Dorian loves his mentors. I mean, do you want Sogard <laughs> to stay up with a guy like Talbot who could melt- mentor him a bit as opposed to having two 20, 22-year-old goalies? Um, I, I don't know. That, that, but if they go three and four in their next seven, the playoffs are a like, gone, con- like foregone conclusion, not making it. And, you know, maybe the Kings are kind of desperate. Look at what Jonathan Quick is doing there. That guy has like an 880 save percentage this year. Phoenix yeah. Copley is 17-3-1, and one, and yet Jonathan That's Quick crazy. can't get them wins. Wow. Yeah. Right? So I'll... if they're giving you a, a pick because they're so desperate for a backup, well, then, yeah, you, you make that trade. If, it, if it's a third or better, I would say. But if you're still in the race, 100% keep him. And I would send Mendelisa down, and I would see if Sogar can continue holding that number one in uh, Forsberg's absence. All I will say is I'm happy we didn't pick up Spencer Martin off waivers because yeah. that yes. could have been catastrophic. Yes. Yeah. Like apparently he's a great guy, but man, it's his numbers this year. And isn't he yeah. still under contract next year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would have been dire. Like, go on Pierre. Well done. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Cam Talbot. We'll see. I don't know. Like, I think if the Sens are like foregone out of the playoffs, I kind of want to see them just run with Sogard and Mandalese and see what they can do. Um, the thing is, I don't think the they'll let that affect their their B sends and their ECHL that much because they just yeah. Who is even play, who is playing goalie for Belgium right now? I think Logan Fladell or something. Yeah, I think it's Antoine Bibo and Logan Fladell who are manning the ship. Antoine Bibo manning yeah. the ship. Yeah. By the way, because there's no more man to do so. Boo. So Boo. we still don't know anything about that, eh? Like, no, nope. I Boo. feel like that'll be a summer thing. If, I, if... that that interview was weird, you guys see that interview? The, the with David Asking Bell. About how mandalise did yeah yeah i don't know something's yeah. so fishy down there thankfully they don't still have like batherson norris paul like everyone down there 
Uh, what do you mean? They have Crook Jack, my guy. What are you saying? Oh, my God. We need to end this episode so badly. And, uh, we bring on Bosti, but they also have Sokolov. So. Yeah, Sokolov. And, and didn't Pierre talk about Sokolov today? Yes. Yeah. He said, and Louis, others. You know you've been upsetting yeah. the Talbot fans? Yes. Bosti, I know you're going to be listening. I think you're you're going crazy for Sokolov. If you're if you're listening, wow. I think wow. I think they should call up and Louis is gonna love me for this. I think they should call up Crookshank before him. Wow. And I think new goal Jake leader Luchini by the way. Yes. Would be a better. I agree. Wow. I agree. Wow. I I would bring back Lucini, uh, just because if he has value. I would move Sokolov at the deadline. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness gracious! It's getting extreme. This is this is the most risky risky couple sentences I've put together. <laughs> so, We're either gonna tank our viewership or bring it up ten percent. <laughs> so so Josh is gonna do Sokolov for uh, Mackenzie Weger and call it a day. That's way too much. <laughs> it it really is a good thing we haven't had Josh and Bosti on at the same time. Yeah, that, that, that might been... be incompatible. Uh, as, That's as, what was happening. Ash. You were debating whether you wanted to take me off and add him full time. <laughs> Man, are we creating like? beef <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're starting like a crazy or manufacturing yeah. yeah uh we're gonna we're gonna end this before we create any more drama in the uh in the community here um thank you guys so much for tuning in we will we will see how the trade deadline goes we will see how the sends mosey along here as they enter and also uh chris neal jersey retirement on friday uh we're gonna shout that out and also if you're going to the game the sends are like get there by six for the ceremony so get there by six for the ceremony if you're going to saying this it. the episode will not be up before this game oh I can well guarantee you whoever that. our editor is <laughs> well wow. i hope you guys had fun at the chris neal retirement <laughs> uh ceremony hope it was great guys after their 7-1 win by the way after a 7-1 win man if they lose to chicago it's gonna be dire if they lose yeah. to chicago it's gonna be bad um okay we're gonna end it here thank you guys so much for tuning in thank you so much for listening we will see you guys next time take care everybody bye